listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and correcting our census answers, taking Jedi out of the religious box and putting in something sensible like podcaster. (laughs) All right, Tim Minchin, calm down. (laughs) Actually, if you think about atheism, it's the only sensible option. (laughs) No, I haven't actually looked at it yet. Atheism isn't an option. It's just no religion, right? Yeah. I don't care. Or can you put, like, like shitty atheist? Like, I'm an atheist, but I want you to know about it. <laughs> Which denomination are you? Reddit. Reddit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're back in lockdown, so apologies in advance. We never really left mentally locked down at this point, I think. No, 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 no. no, no. That, I mean, that's quite literally true in, in, in one sense, in that people keep calling it lockdown six, and I'm like, I did not stop lockdown five. No. I went outside <laughs> once in between lockdown five and lockdown six. It felt like cheating. I went back inside, and they were like, we're locked down. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just act two, you know. So how many days? How many? Was it like ten days between five and six? So- oh fuck! Was there ten days? I only went outside once. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> don't judge my lifestyle. On look, it's okay. I I only went out like I I went out to the pub and then I went to eat ramen and I think that's the total of what I got done in like outside eating activities. We've got to hang out more, guys. Like, see you at Christmas. <laughs> any of us could die at any point. You'd be like, ah, oh, haven't. Yeah, that was true before the pandemic as well. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but before the pandemic, we couldn't all just die at any time. Uh, that's no, exactly that's what I'm saying. Aneurysm yeah. is still a thing, like, <laughs> even when you, even when you're young, listener. <laughs> yeah. Death comes for us all. Let's get on with the show. Your friends, if you make it to the hug. end of the episode, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hope for this podcast is we get so many listeners that statistically one of you will die each week while listening. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a great take. Oh my God. I wonder how the big podcasts feel about that who have <laughs> statistically speaking, one of your listeners dies while listening every single week. Take take that. <laughs> the listeners are not good enough. Statistically immortal while listening. No reports yet. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. I'm so glad Evie gave that apology. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys feeling the vibe? I'm feeling the vibe. <laughs> Speaking of cooked things through all of the lockdowns, uh, just a funny little story through the week that I fucking love is that a uh, a Sydney tradie decided to chuck a sickie. Um, obviously, Sydney is having hundreds of cases of COVID a day. And so trying to chuck a sickie, you would think that there's like of all the things you could choose to lie to your boss about having, the one you don't do is COVID. And this guy has texted his boss at 4.30 in the morning saying, hey, can't come in, real sorry. I caught COVID-19. And so the entire work site was shut down. All of his co-workers were stood down, told to isolate and get tested. And part of me just, I can't help but feel really warm and fuzzy about that with the idea of like a solidarity sickie of just like- <laughs> Right, as industrial action. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting all of my mates off. We're all going to just chill at home for a bit. Got COVID. <laughs> like, what a fucking legend. What a dolt of a legend. I fucking love it. As an Australian, it. his God-given right to take a sickie, I say God bless. 
I say good day to you, sir. You've done well for yourself. (laughs) This is just making me think, like, why do we need a general strike when we can just text random numbers (laughs) your test came back positive? (laughs) Fuck! Oh, no. No, that's so evil. You can't do that. People would die. I think you mean I shouldn't do that. I think this is two things. A, this is the modern equivalent of a fake bomb scare, where if you're like, oh, no, I haven't studied for the SNAP exam today, call it. COVID sicky, but B, I think this guy just walked out of like a Big M commercial. Where he's like, oh shit, I booked a fishing trip with the mates, but I got work tomorrow. Cracks a Big M. Hang on, here's an idea. High five, jet ski into the sunset. Gives all his mates COVID at the fishing trip. He couldn't work. He couldn't go to work 270 kilometers away in Newcastle. Yeah, I chuck a sicky too. <laughs> but not a COVID sicky. That's like a DefCon five sicky. Wait, is DefCon five the bad one? See, he's probably weighed up the chance of maybe I could tell my boss it was a false alarm, but also then looking at 200, driving 270 kilometers at 4:15 in the morning. Like, yeah. it's hard to like weigh that up. <laughs> but also, you could lock down a suburb. You could just say, "I have a sniffle. I'm gonna get tested." Yeah, yeah that's the best bit. You could just go, "Sorry, I've got to get tested, and I've got to like, you know, I'm just gonna isolate until I get the result back." No, the whole site's down for a fucking fortnight. <laughs> Suck it. It's so I think good. It's people. Dirty solidarity to the sickie. Oh, fuck. Hang on. So the job was at four. He texted his boss at 4.15. Obviously, tradies work early. I'm going to pretend like yeah. I know about that too, like I do with numbers and sports. But like... Yeah, yeah 4.15's real sure. Yeah, but... <laughs> What are the chances, do you reckon, of him just having cooked it the night before and in a, like, hammered state, just being like, nah, this is a good idea. 100%. I'm, gonna te- I'm just oh, going to, yeah. before I go to bed, I'm going to text my boss I've got COVID, turn my phone onto silent and have a sleep in. <laughs> and then just chaos around him. Wakes up to 45 missed calls. <laughs> We're doing a lot of stereotyping here, guys. He might have been out looking at owls. <laughs> Tradies aren't all on the piss. As someone who's drunk a lot of seltzers in the last 48 hours, I have no room to talk about anyone having a rough one. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard from so many people over the last three weeks that each episode is just exponentially more deranged than the last. This is absolutely (laughs) leading up to it. I don't know what is happening. (laughs) This is fucked. Do you expect us to get saner? Yeah, this is on you, listener. One episode, shame on us. More episodes, it's just a show. Shame on you. Like, at the 84th straight episode of covering the same shit that never gets fixed... You're just watching Nickelodeon shows where the contestants aren't allowed to have a shower in between and just being like, everyone's getting goopier. What, what's up with this show? <laughs> and this is why we do a Twitch stream, because we all look like, you know, primordial soup. I sure hope I don't get slimed today. <laughs> There have been a couple of other things with uh, this current Victoria lockdowns, mainly the fact that the uh, community housing towers um, have had cases again. This is linked to an Islamic school um, in, and there have been multiple cases um, that are tier one. However, things are not as bad as last time. At the moment, all the lockdowns that are happening in Victoria are purely just to make sure that 
not so much the COVID zero, but making sure as many people are vaccinated as possible before people do get infected with COVID. Um, and thankfully, uh, in the community housing towers, they have had a coordinated health response over the last few months. All residents were eligible for vaccines and there have been vax clinics on site for the last couple of months. So that's mm. some good news. That's really great. Yeah. Like vulnerable people have been looked after. This yeah. is the same uh, housing towers, the, the ones in Flemington that got locked down last year that the, the government sort of fucked it hard enough that the resulting report described it as a, an absolute violation of their human rights. Like they were just being, you know, immediately locked down into their rooms, not allowed to get f- food or medicine and police down at the bottom of the towers blocking supplies from coming. Like an absolute clusterfuck. Mm. And it, it it's just genuinely good to see that they're not doing that this time yeah. like as soon as those cases were announced like oh fuck there's been a case in the flemington towers the, the, great this is you know just going to be this disaster again but it, it looks like it hasn't actually happened it looks like they've it, respected their human rights this time it, it's around. visibly it's visibly learning from an investigation and actually deploying something that helps the community which is Look, I know a lot of people don't want to give credit to a government for doing something right for a change, but they have done something right <laughs> in the circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> There's been no visible police on the ground. There's been minimal security guards. And it has predominantly been healthcare workers, translators, support workers. The response has been very different. Um, the state government rejected the ombudsman recommendation that it apologised last year, so no credit once again. Yeah. Um, however, <laughs> That's why we're not giving the credit, by the way. <laughs> however, the Department of Health has actually developed a coordinated response that has meant that these people have been looked after, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, it's nice. all, it's just such a like a fuck you to the 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 people who, in response to the human rights um, report that came out about it, were like, "Well, we had to do it. What else could we have done?" Yeah. Hey, this. A health response to a health crisis, it's just crazy enough to work. And, and I look, it bears repeating <clears throat> that this should be replicated everywhere everywhere that that needs it there should be on-site vaccinations everywhere and i'm yes, i'm yeah, really glad sure. that this is what's happening in terms of like making sure that vulnerable communities are protected but in turn this should now be happening in as many places as possible in order to get everyone vaccinated as quickly as possible today um yeah. there was an announcement as well for um under 40s that they've now opened the um lines in victoria um, booking lines, I should say, um, to make sure that everyone can now book an AstraZeneca vaccine, even through the hub. So that is huge news. And finally, yeah, it does awesome. seem that like, you know, that there is the tide is going to be turning. It, nice. It, it, it's also maybe worth saying that it's not necessarily the case that the tower response this year, you know, this most recent outbreak is, has even been perfect. It, it's just, it's so clearly better than the, the human rights violations from before. Like, who knows? There's still room for improvement, surely. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that it's like, oh, wow, they've arrived at the starting point. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. room for improvement is realizing how a community response is much better than a cop response. But, you know, yeah. you know my feelings on <laughs> I'm that. I'm still a little shaky about that no visible police on the ground. That's like, don't deploy the invisible police. That's <laughs> They shouldn't have access to that technology. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a uh, direct quote from an article. But I have seen some tweets just being like, oh, there's, you know, there's one or two cops around. But again, it's that. Even like even one or two cops on in a lockdown tower like that isn't good, but it is an improvement on like the gangs, Jack's <laughs> meathead cunts of like yeah. riot cops standing there with like the, with like the flashing lights constantly at night for the first six hours. Like it is just it's just better, I guess. Yeah. So like yeah, 
And also the idea, like, the, the state government um, isn't apologising, but they are learning from it. As if, like, they've learnt without the reports. Oh, no, 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 we do this ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but you know why. Fuck you, the, the people. Reason, the, the reason why um, governments never apologise for these things is because that would then lead to culpability and yeah. then that would lead to legal action. And it is specifically just an instrument for trying to avoid that, hmm. um, which is bad. It shouldn't, like, you know, the, the people should be compensated accordingly, but uh, that is specifically why they won't apologise. That and Dan Andrews doesn't feel guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's recovering from a beating man. He's, he's, he's got shit to worry about. <laughs> As he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that Dan Andrews and the Labor Party should feel bad about is offering $300 to everyone for a vaccine. Get fucked. ScoMo, in response to the ALP saying everyone should get $300 for getting vaccinated, he said that was an insult. And I agree. Never give me $300. Don't <laughs> you fucking dare. You keep your dirty tax money. <laughs> I just think it's really funny that in response to Labor suggesting $300 as a wedge point for the federal government, that Scott Morrison has wedged him back by saying, actually, we're going to like talk to Tabcorp and run a vaccine-only lottery. <gasps> Australians love gambling. That, I, I, obviously, I'm not feeling insulted by the offer of $300. <laughs> just totally happy to receive that. Mm-hmm. The idea that it should just be like, oh, let's run a lottery that's only available to vaccinated people. That actually, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, it's so <laughs> I stupid. Hate that. It's super stupid. But also, he knows how to do like the whole common people thing, which is that people will see $300 up front and maybe $10 million in a lottery and go, actually, I want the $10 million lottery because that's how yeah. the appeal of gambling works. The idea that they could get more money, they will definitely go for the gambling option. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we'd also have to pay Tabcorp $100 billion oh, to administrate this, this important program. <laughs> because if you give taxpayer money directly to the taxpayer, how do you maintain the nexus between businesses and employees? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a, a couple of details here that make me really friggin' annoyed. One is that Labor is doing this not just, you know, how can we get people vaccinated, but as a wedge. Mm. This is the thing where they're like, uh, I guess this will help get people vaccinated. Oh, it'll also wedge the government. Fuck yes, we love wedging. It's literally all we've got. Um, and the second one is that apparently Labor tested this idea among voters during focus group research recently. Um, and it was a positive response. And so Albo and the Labor ministers went ahead with it. And it's like, yeah, did you say, hey, would you guys be up for $300 for anyone who gets vaccinated? And voters were like, sorry, would we like free money? <laughs> and Albo's like, yeah, we're not sure how humans, I mean, voters uh, feel about this. <laughs> like, You know what's just... even funnier about it? Like $300 is still less than the free <clears throat> K-Rod bucks we got. Yeah, it's you mention all. them every week. I fucking love. I do. I do remember a simpler time when I got nine hundred bucks in my first laptop. It was fucking great. Give me fucking a thousand dollars or go away. Yeah, give me it's- give me four, four zeros or fuck off. That's the. <laughs> and it's fucking. It's complicated. It's going to be. You're going to have to somehow show that you've got a vaccine. What do they do about people who can't get a vaccine? What do they do about people who have not been able to get a vaccine but want one? It's You're going to have to jump through so many hoops. There's going to be so much administrative cost just to give people a very small amount of money for getting a vaccine. 
when you could A, make vaccines easy to get, and B, give people free money to stay home so they don't spread the fucking virus. Just give them free money I think they should do those things and... It's just like do all of those, sure. right? Like there's the, none of those things are a reason that three hundred dollars vaccination incentive is a bad idea. No, absolutely. Uh, it's, they absolutely should be incentivizing the vaccine. There is a problem with vaccine hesitancy. This would help override that. Yeah. The fact that the vaccine access is not great is is a separate, a, a separate and very important and some might say more important problem. But I, I think that. It does make sense. I, I you know, yeah. <laughs> as part of the focus group, I respond positively to the $300 <laughs> idea. Yeah, absolutely. Not a bad thing. It's just shocking. It's their only thing. I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm not in principle opposed to a lottery for vaccine rollout. I'm just not. Like, I'm, I'm opposed to Tabcorp running it. And of course, Scott Morrison <laughs> finds a way to make it the most dog shit idea possible of just being like, let's get those people involved. But like, they've done it in places in America. They do, lo- like, governments run lotteries in a bunch of other places to promote activity. And what you want <laughs> oh, is. Well, if America's done it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, but plenty of places do do it. And I think, in principle, like, because like, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about how much we want positive affirmation for vaccine rollouts. Do we want, and like, and ads, and that costs money. And the, the the media campaign around that costs a lot of fucking money. Do we want those ads to be morally good or do we want those ads to result in people getting vaccinated? And so if the outcome is that we want people vaccinated, then you could potentially spend a lot less on a lottery and give a big flashy number like 5 million or 10 million. And that would cost less than an ad campaign, like arm your community, arm yourself, and potentially get more people vaccinated. It's more morally icky because it's like uh, people are only getting it because they want a chance at the cash as opposed to doing it for the community. But like- at a num- at a societal level, if we're getting much more, if we're getting many more people vaccinated than would otherwise, in principle, I'm okay with a lottery. I, I think in principle, like according to according to those restrictions, yes. But there's also sort of an assumption that a media campaign to promote vaccination has to cost money when the government is entirely capable of saying, "Hey, every broadcast platform, you have to spend X minutes per hour running this ad. Done. It costs us no money." Also, Scott Morrison is in front of the the media, like. 10 hours a day and he could use that time to not push vaccine hesitancy again i think that is that is separate and those 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 media companies will 100 percent go okay you compensate us for that and the most the generous read on even a leftist labor government like the people we have in power will 100 percent go yeah sorry kiss we'll give you a whole bunch of advertising money you've lost we're really sorry like essentially like like there are obviously normative reasons why we wouldn't want this and there are better things to do but currently at the moment we are in a shit state yeah. and I think a lottery could boost the numbers quite effectively. Sure. Yeah, I mean, in in contrast to not doing anything, sure, the lottery. In contrast to just give everybody $300, the, the $300 is better. Yes. No, 100, I 100% agree yeah. with that one, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And just how about give everyone $300 when they get the vaccine and then like December 10th, you go, surprise, everyone else gets $300 too. Just give yeah. everybody... <laughs> A whole lot of money right now and a little bonus. Everyone gets a thousand dollars now, and everyone gets a thousand dollars. I will not move from a thousand dollars, four digits, or go yeah. away. Yeah, four zeros or fuck <laughs> off. But and <laughs> an opportunity to say thanks to Kevin Rudd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So- Scomo has to sign every check, but he has to forge Kevin Rudd's signature. international listener request thank you by the way for emailing us uh really appreciate it if you have requests you should definitely let us know don't don't make it weird just tell us stuff that you want to talk about again don't make it weird
Make it a bit And then weird. we might talk about them if they're interesting and we reckon we can riff on it. But <laughs> good news about this particular one. Yeah, so this one is like a big one, um, as a lot of our listeners may be aware of or even may be personally impacted by. Uh, the Australian government has made it really difficult to get into Australia thus far. We're fortre- we've always been Fortress Australia. The pandemic has allowed it to happen now to, to Australian citizens. They've now expanded the ban on Australians leaving the country to include people who are ordinarily residents in another country. So that means that even people who live overseas may not be allowed to leave Australia to go back to their own homes. Mm. It's mind-blowing. This used to be an exemption. Yes, this used to be an exemption um, to um, the legislative instrument that created the ban, but on the 1st of August, the health minister... Um, via his powers to be able to do it for health reasons, um, has expanded that to remove the exemption and tighten the rules in Australian citizens or permanent residents um, moving to and from Australia. It's it's ridiculous. Who's the health minister? Greg Hunt. That fucking... No, he wasn't the kidnapper. They're all shit. (laughs) 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 That son of a... No, he wasn't the pedophile. That that piece of shit that did the internet... Was he the internet guy that charged tens of thousands? No. He was the mask guy. That piece of shit that stopped the boats with... Oh, he's the mask guy. That's one of the things. The war criminal? Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to have to be more specific about which one he is. So this is... Just to give an example, this is basically someone who has been living permanently overseas or semi-permanently overseas, but is also had has Australian residency or is an Australian citizen, they can't come back here easily to be able to see their family already in the first instance. But through any sort of miracle, if they do manage to make it here to see family, they can't leave without it being extraordinarily difficult. It's such a weird choice. I've been racking my brains trying to think about even just the most fair and charitable, like, liberal-minded read on this. Like, what do I achieve by having people who are permanent residents in other countries not leave here? I I understand not coming here. We hate people coming here. We wish the world would leave us alone. We're sulks at a party. I get it. But then to trap Australians here... As if, like, leaving spreads like a crop dust of COVID on the city that you fly over on your way out. I don't well, because understand it's, it. It's, it's, is there a thing of just, like, maybe preventing them from leave once they've come back is just an additional way to prevent them from coming here? Yeah. Being like, don't come here. We don't want you to. And if you do, punitive. we're just going to make life arbitrarily harder for yeah. you in an unrelated way. So, so that you don't. This is your punishment for being able to come back, as is your legal right as an Australian citizen. This is, <laughs> this is what you get for living somewhere else. But also, then, if they leave, they might want to come back another time. And you're like, oh, that's what I. That's what I'm. Why thinking. did we even let you leave? It's like when when your cat wants to go out and you let it out yeah. and then it's <laughs> straight back in. You're like, well, <laughs> next time I'm not letting you out at all. I will say, Australians in Berlin are definitely like the cat that wants to be let out and then comes back in straight away and then let out again. Yes. <laughs> so. Professor Kim Rubenstein, who's uh, an expert in citizenship law from the University of Canberra, she has been talking about this uh, to The Guardian Australia. And one thing that she mentioned, which I found was really interesting, is that a lot of the talk about this exemption was described as a loophole in the media. But it's not a loophole. It's your rights as a citizen, as a resident, to travel back and forward to your country of citizenship. Uh, As she said, they have made it even more draconian than it was at the beginning. So no matter where you are from in the world, if you land here, you could be trapped. It is a punishment for doing what is your legal right, which is 
madness. I love that just writes are loopholes. It's like when a cop is like, I'm going to shoot you in the street like a dog. And you're like, oh, you're not allowed to do that without a fair trial. He's like, oh, loophole. (laughs) (laughs) That's grim. I just want to think this through for a second. Like, so say you're someone who usually lives overseas and you come back to Australia just for a bit for some really important reason. And then you're trapped here and you can't leave. You have no job. You have no house presumably you may have some small family or friend network but you don't have most of the things that let you survive and so okay you're in australia in full lockdown in the middle of a pandemic which is not going well you might be vaccinated which is nice because you've come from another country um (laughs) how are you to live can you get can you get centrelink i don't think so didn't they change that so you have to be unemployed for like six months or something okay let's get the disaster payment oh you can't because you don't have a job and you're not on centrelink all right well maybe uh, i got nothing do you die i guess you die i guess you die yeah yeah i mean i guess that's it they're just like look we don't want expats coming back to australia and we can't stop them because they're citizens of Australia. So what we can do is say, if you do, we won't punish you legally, but life will be very bad and <laughs> permanent. And this yeah. is the thing as well. When you say, like, they can't stop them from coming back, the listener that wrote this in has been trying to come back. Her and, like, other her friends and family have been trying to come back. She was telling me that one friend of theirs, or maybe related, um, has tried four times with Qantas flights at prices at like five to six thousand dollars per flight just to get to try to get back here. And to the point now that is bribing officials to try to make sure that their flight doesn't get cancelled again. This is the thing every single story that I've heard about Australians trying to come back has involved some sort of element of luck or bribery, yeah. or just trying desperately every sort of way that they can come through. You, you know why it is particularly galling to mention that? Because Greg Hunt, uh, in talking about this amendment, he said his explanatory statement was, you've had time to do this since March 2020. Fuck off! What a callous thing to say. Uh. You've had time to get a vaccine since March 2020, Greg Hunt. Where's that been? Yeah. <laughs> you've had time to do fucking anything since March 2020. Yeah, you got Greg a- Hunt, you've friggin' you had time to bloody disembowel yourself with a samurai sword since 2020. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got around to that. You've got some pretty good <laughs> gas subsidies happening. I also think a lot of the description of Australian residents and Australian citizens trying to come home or moving back and forth between Australia, I think a lo- like it's unfairly sort of being described as an expat problem of just like, you know, middle class uh, Australians who can afford to do this. I would say given the kind of expense involved in trying to come back to Australia, most Australians can't afford it. It is ten- like up to mm. tens of thousands of dollars to try to get through. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, every again, every single story I've heard has just involved ridiculous amounts of money to try and remortgage their life to just even the the off chance of coming back to see their family in often very tragic circumstances yeah it's just that rich people filter um i've i've just looked it up i was unfair when i said that you might have to wait six months to get Centrelink because that is only if you're already living in australia um if you're a newly arrived resident in australia um including i think if you're a citizen you may have to wait Four years before you can get Centrelink. Oh, great. Uh, well, by then, we'll all be vaccinated and jobs will be happening again. Yeah, pretty much any type of concession is a four-year waiting period. And I'm pretty sure that isn't something the government was really prioritising um, because they were busy, like I said, getting getting gas subsidies. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's yeah, if you're a fossil fuel corporation who's been in Australia for two weeks, you're eligible to really unlimited government uh, sort of programs there. So. And unlimited groundwater. <laughs> so, I have wrestled my way into getting talking about the Olympics once again in this podcast. You wrestled your way. Seriously, I, I, I Greco-Roman wrestled my way into doing this. You skateboarded your way. I downhill slalomed my way into this. <laughs> um, I'm very sad that um, the main Olympics is coming to an end this week. We still got um, the Paralympics coming up, but there's going to be a two-week period in which. Everyone goes insane because they have no sports to watch. There's always esports. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's wild to me that like, oh, the Olympics is finishing this week. Like, oh no, 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 no! The Olympics are about to start in maybe two months or so. <laughs> That's how it feels. <laughs> they're not. They absolutely haven't been run already and finished. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I I think as much as like. I should emphasize again, as much of an Olympics tragic I am, I think most people's disagreement is with the larger organization of the IOC and the trouble that it gives to host countries. But people love the Olympics and have been watching it. And one of the big stories this week was Laurel Hubbard, who is one of the first uh, transgender athletes to compete in the Olympics. She wasn't the first. I will get to that in a second. Um, But... Her specific event was has been, you know, garnering lots of commentary because she is in the largest or heavyweight uh, category for weightlifting uh, for women's uh, for the women's event, and um, there has been a lot of, you know, disingenuous commentary from uh, transphobes talking about things like T levels and muscle density and anything they wouldn't normally talk about uh, if they actually cared about sports in general, but they do care about it, talking about like, you know, the, the, the advantages of men over women in purely gender specific terms. And once the event happened, Laurel Hubbard actually did not finish. She, no, she didn't do very she, well she at actually, all. Yeah, she actually failed all her lifts uh, and failed out of the event. And but, you know, good effort. Yeah. Better than I yeah. She's, She's still an Olympian. She's still an Olympian. <laughs> Stronger than me. She's still an Olympic athlete. Um, and, of course, the dialogue immediately changed from, you know, transphobes to say, well, she took the place of someone who <laughs> was more eligible to get it. You know who that applies to? Literally every Olympian. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the Olympics is about taking the spots of everyone else to prove that you're literally the best. Winning, like a, medal, <laughs> winning a medal is literally being the best and taking the spot of people who <laughs> could have gotten it but didn't. They need to expand that first place podium. It's not big enough. Look at all the people that are not up there in first place. It's disgusting. Being on a high school basketball team is taking the place of somebody who else could have been there. <laughs> the funniest thing about this argument is that, like, when the spectator tried to do this in the UK, they listed the name of a specific athlete in saying that Laurel Hubbard took her place. Um, but what they didn't think to account for was that that athlete was in the Olympics and she was competing <laughs> in Laurel Hubbard's event. They had one job is to find one athlete not at the Olympics and they picked someone at the Olympics. <laughs> you fucking idiots. You useless fucking idiots. God, that's good. And, and the great part about it is that pretty much all the competitors were supportive of her, including the Australian competitor. So, you know what? 
fuck you to turfs. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just this big thing that's been happening for so long of just like the 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 turfs keep going. It's not fair that trans athletes are competing. That that it's not fair for women. How are women supposed to compete? And the the even if you want to take that at face value, which you absolutely shouldn't, because they are just fucking terrible people. But the the whole thing was look at this. This person is going to the Olympics and they're going to absolutely dominate all of where you will have the last laugh here once the Olympics are run and, and they oh, take all of the gold medals. And they didn't complete any of the lifts. They no. were good enough to get to the Olympics, but a whole bunch of non-trans athletes beat them because it was a level playing field. And and and, th- and it's it, it's always worth repeating that at no point did any of the turfs go, "Oh, Oh, actually, maybe I jumped the gun. Maybe I was um, a bit extreme with my <laughs> rhetoric on this, and I take back what I said. No. And maybe we just need to reinvestigate it. In some instances, perhaps there's no. They, they, they she took the spot of someone, and I'm doubling down again. I'm still right. I know that I'm wrong, but I'm still fundamentally right, <laughs> but in a different way where I'm right. Who did she take the spot from? <laughs> someone who wasn't at the Olympics. No, they were at the Olympics. Ah! <laughs> it's just the whole thing so fundamentally <laughs> fucking stupid because trans people have been able to compete in so many different sports <laughs> for ages. They're always mm-hmm. like, oh, all a man has to do is say that he's a woman and now he can compete in women's sports. And, do, do. Yeah. and it's like, we could just listen to your <laughs> argument or we could just look out at the many, many <laughs> examples that are just there to look at and be like, oh, that hasn't happened. No. Yeah. So yeah. you're clearly worried about nothing. <laughs> oh, no, though. What if it does? <laughs> we'll but deal if, with it if it does. If it did, we could change the rules then. Yeah. Then it'd be fine. It won't, though, because it hasn't. This yeah. was the thing. If every single trans athlete at the Olympics got gold by a huge margin where it clearly wasn't fair, then... Not even at all. If, 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 if anything like that happened, then of course we could go, okay, yep, there seems to be something here. Let's figure out what we can do to rebalance it so every so it is this fairness clause that's still there at the Olympics. So the best of the best can compete and they're in the... <coughs> way, blah, 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 blah. It, it, but it doesn't happen! Never! <laughs> it's, not. it's not a thing! It's and, not a thing! So one thing that happened, um, I, I should shout out Tracy Holmes, um, the commentator from the ABC, who interviewed Laurel Hubbard after the event. One of the few media personalities to actually consider, what does Laurel have to say about all this? Um, <laughs> and she pointed out something which is really important to me in, in thinking about how transphobes oppose this issue, um, which is transphobes wish to treat her as a spectacle and they don't care about women's sport. Like, so one thing that Tracy observed is that this event was oversubscribed by 300% by the media. 87 kilo, 87 above kilogram category for women's weightlifting is not traditionally an event that gets a huge amount of media attention. Yeah, it's usually just me and Evie watching it while we're supposed to be working. It's literally just us. And not only only that, she was in the B category. So she was in the lower category that happened during the day. She wasn't even in the night event. Um, And it had a huge amount of media attention. But when she failed to register a single lift and finish last, all these media people raced after her to get a, a few words in the zone. And then they didn't come back to see the rest of the competition. Why do you reckon why that was? <laughs> it's really disrespectful. <laughs> that's fucked. Just, just yeah, no fucked. interest. Like they're not interested in the sport. They, they, they're only there for her, like to treat her as content. There's, there's sort of an interesting thing there where part of that is fair, 
where it's actually fairly common for an Olympic athlete or just an athlete in general to have some interesting story behind them that generates a lot of publicity mm. for the sport, for the event that they're competing in. This isn't the first time that that, in a general sense, has happened. That, that you know, like, oh, this, you know, the... the um, Many Olympics ago, the the one swimmer who was like the the swimming team had never had any swimming training. The the their country oh, was just Eric the eel. Eric the eel. Eric the, Eric the eel. Um, like th- that story. You know, everybody was watching that event not because they cared about that particular event, but because they cared about the mm. story. And so I think that it's it's not wrong to say like, oh, they don't care about the the event they just care about the story like they that's true but that's not necessarily a problem that happens all the time it's just, it's just they care about one. the story because they're transphobic yeah that's that's the reason <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but so like that's my sort of approach to it is that transphobes care about women's sport only in so far in making sure that trans people are excluded specifically trans women yeah. They, they, yeah. they, if you were to go to a transphobe and ask them about any other women's athletes, they would not be able to tell you because all they care about is the specifics as it relates to trans women competing in sport. Yeah, they're not like, oh, here's an interesting story that I could, like, I'm able to root for an interesting underdog or something. They're just like, oh, here's a way that I can advance my hateful agenda. Yeah, yeah they're just using <laughs> sport as a weapon. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the reason why I wanted to bring it up in the podcast is because it is the responsibility of everyone to be on the lookout for this kind of behaviour happening here because it is happening. Um, we have an MP in Australia in Tasmania, Claire Chandler, who is leading the vanguard in this kind of behaviour of talking about saving women's sport, but it's specifically targeted mm-hmm. towards excluding trans women. Mm-hmm. If you want to save women's sport, like make sure women's AFL players get paid properly, you know? Making sure that sports clubs that don't currently have a shower for women actually get funding for it as opposed to a place that hasn't had a woman's fucking (laughs) department in it for fucking 10 years. You fuck. Do something about sports rules. Kind of weird that the Save Women's Sport Australia website doesn't have anything about, you know, extra funding for women's facilities or Mm. extra payment for women's or, you know, parity payments, but it's all about bathrooms and trans athletes competing fucking weirdos just yeah, fuck just- off like do you think that for the last like fifteen thousand years four hundred thousand years just trans people have been holding in their piss the entire time just shut up about bathrooms you fucking weirdos this hasn't been a thing until the last like 10 years now That's- you're all obsessed with it it's another thing that you could just look and, and yes yeah it hasn't happened so, so it seems like it's fine <laughs> whatever it's so weird and creepy fuck off <laughs> so one other thing that I mentioned before is that Laurel Hubbard isn't the only uh, transgender athlete to complete at the Olympic Games. Uh, the other athlete was Quinn, who goes by they, and they identify as transgender, but they compete in the women's soccer team for Canada. And in fact, they're medal winners, which is fantastic and also is interesting because they have been allowed to compete with the women's team because of hormone levels. And, you know, they've gone through the um, the mechanics that the IOC has put into place to moderate whether trans athletes can compete or not. Um, and it's great that they're, con- you know, allowed to play based on the basis of their sex assigned at birth rather than what they identify as. But it also highlights the problems and the consequences of making it their sex assigned at birth. Um, or their hormone levels or anything like that because yeah. there have been multiple cases this Olympics where either athletes have not been allowed to compete based on their hormone levels or when they have competed, 
someone has complained and said they their gender needs to be tested, which is an outrageous thing so to happen. Fucked. Fucking imagine. Phenomenally horrible. Fucking imagine. I, I, I have to point out a lot of the instances in which this has happened has been exclusively targeted towards black women. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely not shocking, but it's fucking disgusting. Like, I, can't, yeah. I can't imagine, like, like I join a band and we release an album and someone comes up and she's like, mm, we should test the gender of the bassist. Like, what the f- Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, fuck I think off. You're too good to be doing whatever you do. And doing. that that indignation that you f- that I feel even in that hypothetical situation and the one that you should feel about things in terms of in other areas like the arts or whatever, you should 100% feel that for sports. That is absolutely fucking disgusting to go, "Oh, I'm complaining. You should test their gender." Ugh. There's this idea that some like all you've got to do if you're a big strong male man athlete and you want to win gold all you've got to do is just say that you're a woman and you can compete in the women's athletics and you can beat them because you're naturally stronger that's like do do you have any thought as to how complicated and awkward and difficult and like strange that would be for a cis man to just say oh no nah, actually I'm a lady and you got to use she her for me who who doesn't actually feel that way? Like it, you'd it, look like a bloody idiot. You'd look like a bloody idiot. You'd feel like a bloody idiot. Like cis guys don't like being perceived as women because they're cis. Yeah. Like <laughs> everyone you know would be like, but do you identify as a woman? You'd be like, nah. But I'm just doing it for the sport. They'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> just, you would need to keep that cover up diligently and you would have to go through hey it exists it's called gender dysphoria you would have constant gender dysphoria because you would have to constantly present as a woman despite being a cis man for for all of your public appearances for your public competitions it would destroy your psyche and you would be at very high risk of suicide because we can see that happening in people who are confronted with constant gender dysphoria uh, you'd get that Olympic glory. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like the the, the main the, the main thing which constantly like and why people should like you know anyone who feels like they're swayed by a transphobic argument about you know cis men entering women's sport uh, needs to just sit for a second and think what possible clout could you get from pretending to be a trans woman to yeah, win right. a it- sport. In an overly transphobic and misogynistic society that we currently have, it's probably not fucking worth it for some gold medals at the Olympics, is it, gang? Yeah. Think for, think for a fucking second what you are saying. Yeah. The, the Michael Phelps isn't going to just start saying he's a fucking woman to compete, is he? And also, what is the fucking outcome of this Olympic discourse that we have now? I'm going to pretend to be a woman and I'm going to cover it up for all this time just so I can fail all my lifts at the Olympics. You fucking <laughs> idiots. You disgusting idiots. <laughs> Fuck. It's just... Like, every time you think about how stupid the arguments are, like, it, it constantly is ridiculous. And I I, that- I truly believe, I truly believe, genuinely, that it is a cis person's responsibility to treat it with extreme contempt and to call it out. Well, the other thing I, I want to go back to is something that, Evie, you brought, briefly brought up, which is about the hormone testing. And this is a really weird and slightly disturbing thing um, because, like you said, it mostly has been affecting uh, black women, uh, especially there was a couple of Namibian athletes who just naturally had higher testosterone levels. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, they're not trans, they're, they're just some athletes who, are being some of the best runners in the friggin' world, obviously have a biology that is at the outer ends of, like, human of the human spectrum and so naturally they're like the best 
biological runners in the world. They got high testosterone. Freaking everyone in the Olympics probably has high testosterone. That's athletes for you. <laughs> and it's the point where you test these people and you say, oh, your testosterone level is too high for you to compete in the in the female events. But but you're female. Like in no way are they not female. They they were assigned females, but they, uh, they identify as female. Everyone will agree that they are female. Even TERFs would say, I don't know, maybe not TERFs. <laughs> just just would find a way around it, for sure. I mean, TERFs would say, yes, they're women, but they're black women, yeah. and so we hate them just as much. Because, <laughs> check it out, I pulled off my TERF mask, and like every fucking TERF, there's just a white supremacist face underneath it, because they're the same fucking group, so whatever. <laughs> they're women who happen to have a lot of testosterone, and suddenly we've decided that that's not okay in the Olympics. We've picked a level of testosterone that is allowed and a level that's not allowed. And yeah, so it becomes pretty clear that at the point where suddenly you're regulating the limits of the human body that are allowed to compete in the best human event, you're doing something pretty fucking weird. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Chop off Michael Phelps's hands? Or what, right? What, what, How long are your feet allowed yeah, to be? Yeah, his big weird flipper <laughs> hands? No, he, that's what makes him a good swimmer. Or like, yeah, you, you're not going to make those fucking, those freakishly tall basketball athletes run around on their knees just to make sure they're under a prescribed height from the IOC. But for the Olympics as spectacle, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is you'd never come across this in the male event. No one is testing male athletes and being like, oh, you've got too much estrogen. You should be in the women's events or you've got too much testosterone. You're not allowed to be in the male. No, apparently men are just any limit and women all can't be too good. That's, I mean, that's again. I've already accused TERFs of being uh, white supremacists, but they're also misogynists. It's worth <laughs> yeah, just always reminding it. everyone of that. Is TERFs hate trans people, but they also hate women. They're, they're just the worst people. They're huge misogynists because they wish to impose a binary that is so strict that it inevitably affects women because they're like you know to them that the, they always see that women can't they have to be substandard to men like the, that's yeah. the way that the binary works in their head like you know a woman couldn't possibly do this that's because they've enforced the binary if you're saying mm. you want to support women's sport and you want every you know woman to get their chance to compete in the olympics you don't want those places to be taken well then now here's some women who are getting kicked out of the olympics who should be at the top of their field because something Oh, because what we want the Olympics to be is every single athlete getting the exact same time, the exact same weight, the exact same distance on a throw. They all just cross the finish line at the exact same time. It's an equal playing field. They've all got the same level of testosterone, same height. The Olympics is great now. Every single person that competes at the Olympics is just the exact same person. That's fairness. It's just, it's not even about fairness. It's just that these motherfuckers just are like, oh, check this out. I have a disgust reaction to things that are unfamiliar to me. And I think that that is my sense of morality. And I'm going to follow that over any other sort of like external information. Um, I think we should finish, um, you know, chatting about this. Obviously, you know, I, th- I feel like the Olympics or sport in general is like a flashpoint for this particular cultural war, which is unfortunate because, of course, that impacts the athletes that are competing. Um, as I mentioned before uh, in the interview with Laurel Hubbard, it was really striking to see um, how remarkable she's been under a lot of pressure and not being able to, you know, say anything mm. for fear of just constant a barrage of abuse. Uh, one thing I just really appreciated that she um, spoke about was just the not the enormity of being 
the first transgender woman to compete at the Olympics because she doesn't think it should be historic. She thinks that, like, I'll, I'll use her exact quote here. She says, I think as we move into a new and more understanding world, people are starting to realise that people like me are just people. We're human. And as such, I hope that's just by being here that's enough. Um, I think that what these Olympics have shown is that even in a world beset by difficulty, uh, that there are opportunities for the world to come together in what is a celebration of all human values. I, and that's really at the heart of it. She has a right to compete just as anyone else without any of sort of this bad faith bullshit of constantly having to change the goalposts. She's even done it in a situation where there has been enormous amount of pressure to regulate what it means to be a woman. And she's there. She, it's unfortunate that she's had to be an example and she's taken it with an enormous amount of grace under pressure. And I think, like, you know, I feel like people should be able to do that just accepting that, you know, everyone is, is coming to sports with good faith. That quote is like quintessential Olympian. Oh, like I'm, 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 I'm getting a little bit emotional just because, like, that's what you want your fucking Olympians to say. Yeah. Shit like that should be held up as fucking exemplary. You shouldn't be making that person a fucking spectacle. They're a fucking hero. They're an Olympic athlete, and they say shit like that after all of the shit that they had to take from cunts like those turfs constantly fucking scrutinising them. That is amazing that Hubbard can come up with that and still hold that. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, I gotta just pull you up on one final thing there Mitch is that I think that we should be making her a spectacle but the spectacle should just be fuck she can lift some heavy stuff yeah. <laughs> that, Hell yeah. it's the Olympics it is a spectacle and that's what we want to see despite those shifting goalposts she really set that bar quite high <laughs> <laughs> actions this week go and get your bloody vaccine <laughs> it's as of Monday in Victoria, and I'm going to make a huge assumption that there are a lot of listeners in Victoria. Um, all the major vaccine hubs are opening up vaccinations for AstraZeneca to everyone that's under 40. So now's the time. Yes. Go and get it. Go and get it. Shut up. Yep. That's yep. literally it. And the same goes to every other state where apparently it's much harder to get. You might have to fight a bit harder. Fucking fight for it. Get a vaccine. By the time there is an outbreak, you, 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 you. You can't put it off until you gotta get it. You gotta get it now. Yeah. If you if you want hints on how to do it, feel free to DM us, and we'll help you cheat to get a vaccine. I, I, I can't <laughs> say that legally, but <laughs> well, you it's just not did. cheating. It's not cheating. You are eligible for the AstraZeneca. You just have to sometimes fight for it a little. I I know that Queensland will make it incredibly hard for you, but there are ways through it, and we can help coach you through it. Um, yeah. Just do whatever you need to do. Um, this is the only way out. What can I say? Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. <laughs> Any episode could be your last and we appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for spending one of the last hours on Earth listening to our dumb podcast. If you want to tell other people that it's good, that they should spend their last hours as well, you can do that. Word of mouth is really helpful. You can leave a review, which is like word of mouth, but directed at strangers. <laughs> We didn't even record this at the start. This is at the very end. We've just come full circle. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, next time you're talking about politics to people, and you should talk about politics to people, be like, my favourite podcast, Not Good Enough, said that I should think this, and then just repeat our bits uh, <laughs> verbatim, and people love it when you do that. <laughs>
Not good enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, we pay our respects to their oldest past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.